Hey guys, it is Scaring is Sharing. I am your man, Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Rusk. And I am your queen, Brandy Joe, the Scream Queen, Planbeck. And we're here to share some scares. Yep, that's right. Uh, <laughs> yes, we are right. <laughs> every week, we give each other a movie we haven't seen before. We also talk about whatever horror things come up, you know? It's 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 a wonderland of scares. It is your uh your body is a wonderland. <laughs> yep, your body is a Willy's wonderland. That's right. And every week we ask, you know, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram, scaring is sharing, all one word, or you can write us an email, scaring is sharing at gmail.com. And you know what? This week we got an email. Very good. And I'm gonna read it to you now. Do it now. All right. This subject is Nico's Reading Nook from Hell. And it says, hey oh, Brandy, Joe, and Jeremy. It's longtime listener and friend of the podcast, Nico here. And I'd like to offer my services if you would be so kind to have me. As Brandy Joe knows, I'm a big-time horror nerd like both of you, but especially of the literary variety. And while everyone loves a good Stephen King, Clive Barker, or even an occasional Coonsy thrown in the mix, I'd love to share some lesser-known horror scares with you guys, because the indie horror publishing world is taking it to the next level these days. February is the semi-official Women of Horror Month as well, so I thought what better place to kick off Nico's reading nook from hell than sharing a few spooky books written by badass women. And since no one has an attention span after a year in lockdown, both picks are novella length, which means you can read them in one sitting. That length of book really blends the feel of watching a movie with reading in an awesome way. Also, before I get to the first two recs, I thought I'd throw one other idea out there. If you two ever happen to share a movie with each other that is based on a book that I've read before, I'd be happy to let you know if the book was better or not. Number one, Dear Laura by Gemma Amore. Genre is body horror revenge tale. Oh my. The Amazon blurb. From the author of Cruel Works of Nature comes a dark and twisted tale about obsession, guilt, and how far a person will go to put her ghosts to bed. Every year on her birthday, Laura gets a letter from a stranger. That stranger claims to know the whereabouts of her missing friend Bobby. But there's a catch. He'll only tell her what he knows in exchange for something personal. So begins Laura's sordid relationship with her new pen pal, built on a foundation of quid pro quo. Her quest for closure will push her to bizarre acts of humiliation and harm. Yet no matter how hard she tries, she cannot escape her correspondence demands. The letters keep coming, and as time passes, they have a profound effect on Laura. Ooh, sounds good. Number two, Worm and His Kings by Haley Piper. And the genre is cosmic horror worm cult and chuds in 90s New York. What else needs to be said? The Amazon blurb, New York City, 1990. When you slip through the cracks, no one is there to catch you. Monique learns that the hard way after her girlfriend Donna vanishes without a trace. Only after the disappearances of several other impoverished women does Monique hear the rumors. A talented monster stalks the city's underground and snatches victims into the dark. Donna isn't missing. 
she was taken. To save the woman she loves, Monique must descend deeper than the known underground into a subterranean world of enigmatic cultists and shadowy creatures. But what she finds looms beyond her wildest fears, a darkness that stretches from the dawn of time and across the stars. Note, author Haley Piper uses they, them pronouns. Thanks so much for considering including me in your show, because according to my wife, I desperately need new outlets to talk about my spooky reads. Signed, Nico. Thanks, Nico. I think those both sound delightful. Hey, Nico, I do want to say, too, the reason this podcast exists is partially because my wife told me I need outlets <laughs> to talk about movies. So here we are. And I'm here because my husband really could care less. I think don't think he told me to find a new outlet. I think he just glazes over whenever I talk about horror movies. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I love you, Joe. I know you listen. He's my ultimate friend of the podcast. Same, same for Sarah, my <laughs> wife. But Nico, thanks. I really would love to read both of those. I think they sound awesome. Yeah, Nico, I say you're hired. <laughs> we can pay you nothing. Uh, so, you know, just our love. So much love. All the love in the world. <laughs> That's it. I know he was very scared to hear my thoughts on Demon Knight because he thought, can we still be friends if I don't like oh, it? So, ooh, well, good thing you enjoyed it. I know. It is true. And you know what? I think I'm going to like it more and more with every time. And I do so. like this idea of a book edition in here because, like, I love horror movies. I don't. I mean, I, I well, I used to read a lot these days. It's kind of fallen off. I'm lucky if I read, like, a couple books a year at this point. But um, I never really got into literary horror, though. Like, he kind of nailed it. Like, all I read, if it's horror and a book, it's usually Stephen King or Clive Barker, because I know they are good. <laughs> and that's eh, what I, I mean, you know, generally. You know, generally, they're generally good. You know what you're going to get. It usually scratches the itch for me. You know, or occasionally I do, like, a classic. You know, your Bram Stoker's, your Mary Shelley's, what have you. Like, something from classic literature. But that's usually it for, like, horror books i often find myself more into books that are about movies like horror movies yeah for a long time i was doing audiobooks to and from work because depending on traffic you know you were getting in an hour to two hours a day and if it's like a 16 hour book or whatever in two weeks you're nailing that down yeah i do find myself when i do read like in recent time it's often been non-fiction this is how i know i'm turning into my dad i'm becoming an old man <laughs> which is just it's not novels it's non-fiction and usually like history books or biographies of historical figures like that's where i find myself gravitating towards so mm -hmm. uh to do novels again is kind of like whoa that takes some effort to get back into that yeah for sure so and I love the idea, novellas. I mean, you can just whip through those, especially when they're good. You can really get into them. So mm -hmm. I'm going to check out both of those books, and I'm going to report back. Mm -hmm. This week, did you happen to watch the Clarice TV show? No, I read reviews, though, that turned me off from it. So I just didn't have any interest. Oh, really? My gay horror group, they they I read lots of positive things. Oh. I mean, the taste in there can be a little questionable at times. Not because they're gay, just because there's a lot of people. I read lukewarm, read lukewarm things for it. So I, I wasn't as excited because the movie is just so damn good. Silence of the Lambs that uh, like, oh, so good. It's like, well, why would I want to visit any other adaptation of and the Hannibal TV series? I was a fanable. I hear it was so good. We watched the first episode some while ago. 
And I was impressed with how it didn't spoon feed me, like, you know, shows like CSI and those things where it's like, oh, my God, would you stop hitting me over the head with, hey, here's how it all went down. Sure. Yeah. Hannibal, the TV show is so much like not about police procedural. And it's so into like it's like an art film, like a European art horror film, you know, like Argento and Fulci and stuff. I know were like huge influences on the way the show was crafted. Cool. Uh, so as it expanded over the seasons, like it got weirder, uh, you know, a lot of comparisons to David Lynch, Dario Argento, stuff like that. So it's Sweet. like that's where they were going. They wanted it to be horror and less about the procedural, more about psychological. I got to get into it. Yeah, it gets really good. Now, the other movies, ugh, I hated Hannibal so much. Oh, wow. I hated it. See, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Really? Ugh. Yeah. Yep. I'm into it. I Hannibal. love Julia Moore, but I just, I could not, could not deal with it. See, I like Hannibal in the sense that it takes the material and it became essentially like a vampire movie or a monster movie. Like there is no serious, you know, where Silence of the Lambs is a very serious serial killer like drama. Uh Hannibal is a fucking monster movie is what it is. It's a, like a Saturday matinee monster movie. Yeah, I hated the ending with him feeding his brains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I like I like that gag. I loved Red Dragon though. I thought Red Dragon Oh, see this is where we differ. I do not really? like Red Dragon. I think Red Dragon is not a very good movie. I think it's Have you seen the original? What was it? Manhunter? Manhunter. Yeah, I do think Manhunter. I I used to be the opposite where I was like cuz a lot of people like Manhunter exists in uh feel like it's a type of film where if you're not into like what it's doing, you're just like I don't get it. This movie sucks and Red Dragon is better. And over the years I flipped where I'm like Manhunter is a way better movie. Uh, I need to see and it. Red Dragon. Red Dragon's the lesser. Manhunter's very like it, you're gonna watch it and be like, this is way artsy and sort of like of its era too, like '80s kind of like style going on there. I love the women in Red Dragon. I love Emily Watson. I don't know where she's been all these years. I'm sure she's still doing something. I love her. The performers are good in it. It's just there's something about the movie as a whole, like as I've revisited it over the years, I've liked it less and less. Like I okay. take a star off like every time I revisit Red Dragon wow. where I used to love it. And now it just, it just feels so compared to what came before it with Hannibal. It feels so like safe and like not, not taking any risks. So mainstream. Uh, and then Hannibal Rising just sucks. I was going to ask, did you dare go near Hannibal Rising? Yeah. <laughs> like I remember like, I remember when it first came out and I like wanted to like it and being like, a, but it's just a slasher movie, but with Hannibal and that does not suit the character. The Yeah. It's meta score on IMDb is 35, which is uh, not great. Yeah. Have you, you, have you ever seen Hannibal rising? No, I have no, not. No, not it's just, to. if you're a completist, yeah, sure. Watch yeah. it. But like you won't, it's pretty lame. Did you hear about the shining TV show that's supposed to be happening? I didn't. It is supposed to be a thing. It's J.J. Abrams produced for HBO. It's supposed to be called Overlook, mm. and it's supposedly going forward. They haven't said much about it. I imagine it's more about like the history and like the other ghosts, probably some of the ones we've been introduced mm -hmm. to. Sure. So, I mean, I would watch it. I'll check oh, it out. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's like a great idea. The Shining, I think, is one of the single greatest horror movies of all time, but... It is great. Did you like Dr. Sleep? I did enjoy Dr. Sleep. Yes. I liked it more the first time. The second time I watched the longer version, the oh, director's cut. Okay. And I don't know. 
there's just things about it that I really love. Like I love the whole Abra storyline with the little girl. I love that. But like the stuff with like Danny Torrance all grown up, as much as I love the the layer of him being an alcoholic and him getting clean, because I love those sorts of stories since I live them. I just I don't know. That story wasn't as strong as like the Abra storyline. Like I would have loved a book just about that. Which is sort of the Institute by Stephen King. If you've read oh. it, it's very much that story. So mm-hmm. you know, it's funny though about uh, comparing The Shining to uh, Doctor Sleep, the movies. I think about the idea of practical effects versus CGI effects, mm-hmm. and those two movies are definitely a great juxtaposition of it. Whereas We're Train, I assume you're like me, where you see practical effects, and that to you is like. Yeah, that's how special effects, it, like, it's more real to you. Yeah. Uh, and then the CGI that's in Dr. Sleep, I'm like, it looks like a fucking cartoon. Like, this is SpongeBob all of a sudden. Like, it's just not <laughs> real to me. And I bring this up, and I think it's a generational thing. And I've read stuff about this where it's like, it depends on what you were raised on, becomes, like, in your brain, ingrained as what is more real. Because I overheard my uh, my wife is, you know, a college professor teacher and i overheard one of her classes over zoom uh one time and they were discussing somehow they got into like using movies as examples and to listen to some of the students these are like you know college age teenagers 18 19 probably talk about like the shining versus dr sleep and i heard one of them say like yeah the shining is like it's cheesy the special effects like have dated you know poorly and then they're like but in dr sleep like it looked good and i'm like this is total opposite. What are you talking about? <laughs> like the CGI and Dr. Sleep looks stupid. And it's the, the effects in The Shining are like timeless. So it's it's a weird generation gap there, I think. Yeah, I can imagine if you grew up with mostly CGI, uh, lots of practical effects probably look so hokey. Yeah. And then and then for us, like I said, it looks like a cartoon. Yeah. Like anytime they switch to CG, I'm like, that is so fake. Like, this is so dumb. And I think that there's like clever CGI. And it depends on how they're done. Like to this day, I stand behind the original Jurassic Park, which is how old the CGI in that movie still looks good. And I think it's how like you'll watch making ofs and they'll talk about like, well, part of what we did was like, this is why the CGI dinosaurs are only in night scenes and it's raining because we were able to kind of mask how, you know, cartoony there, you know, how it depends on how clever you utilize it. And a lot of movies just try to show you something like here it is point blank. It looks like a video game all of a sudden. You're like, what is this? Yeah, that's so true. I know we were kind of talking about Silence of the Lambs a little bit, which I would say is somewhat arguably is there some sort of romantic feel between like Clarice and Hannibal Lecter which brings me to someone brought up a question in one of my horror groups about like romantic horror and is it a genre and what are some of the best ones and my first thought was let the right one in because oh, yeah. even though they're little kids it I I view it as like a love story, mm-hmm. her and like her original sort of keeper and eventually with Oscar. Yeah. Hey, that's one I've read the novel. Oh, you have? Is it great? The novel's very good. I love both iterations of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that the Matt Reeves one is actually pretty good. It is. The original is much better. It is. Still. There's that one scene in the remake, though, in the car, where it's like the point of view of the car, and it like goes backwards and like goes over like a cliff or something, and it is such a brilliantly shot scene. Yeah. I just always think of that when I think of that movie. But the original is just near flawless. It is. The original was so good. It blew me away. Uh, I think I've only seen it the one time ever, like back when it came out uh, and that's it. But it's still like, you know, it's so memorable. I directed the play version 
I wish you could have seen it. Ooh. We didn't know each other then. It was before, before you existed in my mind. Wow. We weren't able to use kids as young as they should be mm-hmm. and things like that. And some of the effects, you know, are hard to pull off. They sort of really trimmed it down quite a bit. There were certain storylines that weren't a part of it, but it was still a really cool thing to do. And we did some inventive things with it, but you can watch some footage of some other productions on YouTube. And there's some really beautiful things that other people have done with it that just look so cool. Mm. But they never look young enough because you need older actors to pull off some of the things. Sure. But yeah, if you want to Google, let the right one in, play on YouTube, there's some really neat looking productions, compilations that you can see. Sure. And I also mentioned Near Dark because we had just watched that. And I view that as somewhat of a romance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. What are some other of yours? I would think immediately of Anne Rice. Mm, mm-hmm. Again, vampires lend themselves so much to romance. Yeah, it's uh, true. So, so you'll find a lot of that. But yeah, I think of, you know, Interview with the Vampire has its romantic elements. I would go so far. Maybe it did happen in the book. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've read. Th- I've read that novel too, Interview with the Vampire, which was, I remember being very good, but it's been a long time since I read it. And I do know between Louis and Lestat, there is a romantic tension definitely i don't recall the movie doing much with it but in the book it's certainly there and i i feel like uh what was that one uh ann rice the mummy might have been just called the mummy or the mummy's tomb or something like that she did one about a mummy uh and that was like a romance story much like the original universal mummy movie actually is but but now that i said that too the universal the mummy boris karloff like at its core that is a romance story yeah yeah uh, much like much like the Bela Lugosi, well, not the Bela Lugosi, but uh, Dracula iterations of Dracula definitely have lean into a romantic angle. So, Bride of Chucky, there's a good one. Yeah, Bride, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bride of Chucky, uh, Seed of Chucky. Uh, <laughs> I've never been able to make it all yeah, the way through it's it. Not, I think I, I love the Chucky movies, but that one just. That was a little much for me. Probably the weakest entry, I think, of the whole thing. As much as I. I mean, it definitely is progressive because isn't their child's like trans or non-binary? Split personality, I think is what they leaned into with that. But it's like Glenn and Glenda is the two, uh, of course, playing off the Ed Wood movie, Glenn or Glenda. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, write in and tell us your favorite romantic horror films, because I would love to know. Yeah. I, I know that there's a lot. But like at its core, where you could say like it's a romance or a horror story. Yeah. We'd love to know. Send it to us. We want to know more. I'm also in the news. Sorry, I have so many things. Did you hear about Adam Wingard and what his next project is? Because I think I mentioned a couple when we had talked about him before, but sort of in the last couple of days, he is directing a face-off sequel. Face-off sequel? A face-off sequel. Not a remake, but a sequel is what they're saying. Are they back? I, Nick Cage and what was it, uh, Travolta? Uh, yeah, I mean, they haven't said, but that would be fun. That would be weird. The first one is weird as hell. All I remember is I saw it in Washington, D.C. because I interned there when I was in high school in the Senate for a Republican. Oh, wow. Yeah, Whoa. Yeah. I didn't actually even know what a Republican or a Democrat was at the time. But while I was working there, a girl was like, by the way, you're a Democrat. Oh. I didn't even know I wasn't out. I was a little boy from Wyoming. Uh-huh. But I went to see it at the movie theater by myself, and 
people were standing up and screaming at the screen. And I was like, what is this madness? I had never been to a movie where people were vocal and yelling stuff at the characters. It was so exciting and so cool. And I was like, this is amazing. And I know it's a cult classic to this day. Are you a fan? I mean, that's the one and only time I've seen it. I have only seen it like all the way through as like a kid. So it just like was another movie to me. Okay. You know? Like it just, I, I, you know, had no understanding of like good, bad, like that, you know, young enough that it's like, whatever. It was just another action movie. But over the years, I've seen like scenes from it that have turned into memes and all that. And it's like, yeah, this is a movie that's so bad. It's mm-hmm. good. Uh, obviously, it's so over the top. Such a silly premise. But I remember it being a lot of fun. I'll have to revisit it one of these yeah, days. I'm intrigued for sure. Okay, so enough of my prompts here. Have you watched anything this week? You know, uh, not really. Uh, I did start watching In Search of Darkness, but since the thing is like a five-hour documentary, like I, you know, I've only watched like the first hour or so, uh, so far. But I'm enjoying it. It definitely is so good. You know, my it's who I am. It is because uh, these are the movies that stick in my brain. I mean, other than, you know, the classic universal cycle, 30s, 40s, 50s, like the other big thing for me is 80s horror. Like it's between the classics and 80s. And that's like what makes up the book of my taste and aesthetic and all that. Speaking of The Shining, too, I was thinking about when they covered The Shining in that movie. I forget. I always forget that The Shining came out in 1980. It's an 80s movie. It feels so like. Like as a kid, The Shining felt so, I guess it just carried a reputation of being so instantly a classic Mm -hmm. horror movie. You feel like it's from longer ago. Like the mid 70s. Yeah, you feel like it's been around forever. Like it should be from like a earlier cycle of horror movies because it became so beloved so quickly by, you know rabid fan base. But it's like, no, it was pretty contemporary for when, you know, I was mm-hmm. a kid, so it's like I forget that it was so recent uh, in the canon, relatively. The Facebook algorithm like knows me, and this past week, I started getting things about In Search of Darkness 2 and how you could buy it again. Mm-hmm. Because originally you had to be on the Indiegogo or whatever, and so I purchased it, and I should be getting it like next week, the second oh, one. Oh, very cool. Yeah, with like the little collector's edition posters and shit like that, so... Nice. I'm incredibly excited. And now I also have I have a little tangent based on my viewing okay. uh, of the past week. So bear with me because we're going to go to some non-horror territory and we're going to go somewhere because these are the kinds of things I think about uh, when I'm watching stuff. So on Netflix right now, uh, I revisited Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. Okay. And I'm sure it shouldn't surprise you that Chris Farley was a big hero of mine. Uh, definitely as a kid when he was around. That's, you know, that humor, man. I miss him so much. He's so funny. I I rewatch, I revisit his stuff, even Beverly Hills Ninja, which I know for a lot of people is a little bit of a lesser entry in his career, but he is still funny as hell in that movie. But watching it, I'm like, man, I just feel, it makes me feel good when I get to revisit. Again, this is probably childhood nostalgia. I get to feel, you know, I I still laugh my ass off. Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, Beverly Hills Ninja, all these. But you you wonder what could have been had he not had his untimely demise. Mm -hmm. Like, what would he have gone on to do? And I was thinking about how, uh, I don't know how many siblings he has. I know he has at least two brothers that are actors as well that 
um, I believe Kevin Farley. He's in a lot of like TV and some some other movies. But his brother had done a movie. It was called Paranormal Movie. And it was like a spoof of paranormal uh-huh. activity. But that got me thinking like, man, if Chris was still around, like what kind of imagine him in a horror comedy of some kind. Like, I'm sure there could have been something crazy you could have done there. And that's that's where my brain goes. I wonder about man actors that didn't get to do certain things like what what could we have had and his cousin is a ceo of ford where i work yeah that's (laughs) right i did know i did know that that's wild it is too bad he definitely left quite the legacy behind Mm -hmm. which lives on absolutely it lives on forever people so check that stuff out and i guess construct your own fan movie in your brain like man i could have seen a thing like they could have done a new like young frankenstein type of thing like Chris could have been the monster or something like that. You can see that so easily. So, well, I can't wait for you to finish in search of darkness. It is oh, just so good. And you'll have to tell me if there is a trauma section because I remember I saw it in some movie and I think I figured out it's a different documentary, but it may be some stuff in there. There is, a, there, there is a really good documentary, or at least I thought it was good when I watched it. It's been a few years. There's one called rewind this. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that might've been that. It's about the VHS boom yep. uh, and trauma's got a very uh, solid section in there, but yep. it's got some fun, obscure, some fun, obscure shit in there. So check out rewind this people. Yeah. I realized last night that I hadn't watched anything and I was trying to figure out what to watch. I was going to watch the new wrong turn, but it was like an hour and 55 minutes. And I was like, "Ugh, I don't know that I have it in me to have two hours of that. So I went on shutter and they had this movie that I'd wanted to watch ever since it came out. But it's been like a while now. It's called Cub and it's from 2014. It's Belgium. It's a Belgium film about these like Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts that go out in the woods. Yeah, I recall this movie coming out. And I really liked it. I thought it okay. was a lot of fun. It's short, which is really the reason I watched it, just because I was a little I was a little tired and I needed to be up at 6 30. It's like an hour and 24 minutes. And it's it does some interesting things along the way. Stylistically, it's really beautiful to watch. And the music was so good. And afterwards, I realized it was this guy, Steve Moore. And he did the music for The Guest. Oh! It has a very synth feel yeah, to it. Very cool. And it's, I really liked it. I would recommend checking it out. I was a little surprised. I went on Letterboxd and Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. And no one really particularly likes it. Most People give it like two and a half to three stars. It doesn't have like a ton of love, but I really appreciated it. I thought it was really cool. Mm. But surprisingly enough, it had some sort of wrong turn vibes to it, especially in regards to what I've seen in the trailer for the remake. So I was like, oh, I guess I didn't veer too far off the path down a wrong turn, if you will. Cool. So I recommend it. I would be curious to know what people think of it. All right. Yeah, it was fun. Maybe where I'll have to see if I can find it. It's on Shutter, so it's on Shutter. You don't have to go oh, far. Good. It's a newer acquisition on there. Okay. Oh, I did watch uh, a little while back the Son of Kong. Oh boy, which I had never seen before. It's the original sequel to the original King Kong. Okay. So, um, if anybody out there is a King Kong fan, like I, I do, as problematic as these movies can be now with some of the uh portrayal especially of the like island natives uh Mm -hmm. uh, because you know you can't discuss the original king kong anymore without being like oh yeah 
it's racist like that's yeah that's very obvious but still you know a monument it, it's still a, a huge movie as a historical you know in the history of film the special effects all that it's it's just crazy what they did with the original king kong and of course the character of kong is iconic uh he will outlive you know as an idea much like godzilla it outlives every actual iteration or film you can take it you know uh, I'm sure he'll be around for a million years, much like these superheroes where they'll just keep redoing it over and over. But no, the original King Kong was like such a big hit, of course, that they made a sequel the same year that the original came out, which I thought was crazy. They rushed it into production and essentially made a movie that's like part spoof of the original. Like it leaned into comedy in a way that like the original is hmm. a straight laced, you know, adventure monster movie. Uh, Son of Kong's got like a lot of humor in it. It's like really quick. It's a shorter, you know, it's one of those like those old ones. It's just over an hour, hour and, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. But they end up back at the island. Some of the characters from the first one, uh, there's like a young Kong that they're like, oh, this must be his son. And that's all the explanation they give. There's no like, okay, I guess there was a second one they never saw on the island. All right. Yeah. And it's just kind of a reiteration of a lot of the, you know, plot points from from the first movie but then they give a definitive ending where the island sinks because of a storm and no more monsters they're gone but yeah i i would say if you're like a king kong completist watch it do it don't i don't know whatever you're into uh (laughs) king kong is one of those monsters you know where like king kong the monster is awesome i don't feel like he's got a lot of good movies about him really you know it's kind of funny that you know for such an iconic monster you're like which ones are actually worth even watching I guess the original King Kong versus Godzilla, the original Japanese one. Hopefully this new one. Whatever you say. Yeah. Kong Skull Island. I thought that was pretty good. That newer, the newest one. Yeah. I like the Peter Jackson one quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That one had, has a lot of fun stuff. I feel like it's overly long. It's too long. Yeah. But like the stuff on the island is awesome when he's fighting dinosaurs and stuff. Yeah, it is. Um, I know there's fans of the seventies one. With Jeff Bridges and um, Jessica Lang, Jessica Lang, uh, that's got some good moments, but you know it's a pretty uh, of its time. It's definitely a hokey seventies. If you were in New York when Broadway was up and booming and King Kong was playing, would you go see it? Oh sure, I check. Would it. you pay like hundreds of dollars to mm, see it? Uh, no, I I heard uh, you know mixed stuff about it. So, uh, but I de- I thought it looked really. It looks cool. cool. I would have seen that puppet. That puppet is cool as hell. So yeah. Yeah, I did not hear the greatest things about it, but I definitely, I think that it looked really cool. Yeah, definitely looked cool. Well, cool. Well, let's share some scares with each other. Okay. Okay. I go first. Okay. You you are first this time, my friend. So I have reasons for choosing this week and next week, and they're different reasons, but they're timely reasons. Very good. So this week, I'm going to give you my number one movie from 2020. Do you remember what it is? No. Wow. I already forgot. Yeah, you did. It is His House. Oh! Which you can find on the good old Netflix. Cool. What do you know about this? This was the one I know it was very acclaimed. I remember seeing some some pieces about it. Uh, I believe it deals with racism you know flat out uh, if i recall is this is the one where it's about a, a like refugee i believe they're refugees from an african country 
that come to the U.S. Uh, and settle in a, a town where, you know, they, of course, it'll deal with the outsider aspect, I believe, of it. But, uh, of course, it's a horror movie, so there's got to be some insidious thing going on. Uh, I don't know what. I'm going to say there's a cult or something. A cult is killing people in the town, and these people have, you know, settled here from uh, they're immigrants to this country. And so there's going to be the barrier of not being, you know, natural born American citizens and also some sort of like, I'm going to say it's a racist cult that's in in this town killing people. That's what I think it's about. Okay. All right. And they got to protect, you know, themselves and it's their house and they live here. Something <laughs> like that. Sure. All right. I dig it. Okay. And so my train of thought for this week. Uh, watching Ginger Snaps kind of made me want to pick this movie. Uh, so I am giving you The Slumber Party Massacre. Ooh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> so what do you know about this flick? Well, I've seen bits and pieces of it because it's on tons of compilations and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a slumber party. And that there's a massacring that happens. I believe he has a drill, or at least that's the poster. It's like him with like a, a drill. And the second one, it's like a guitar with like a drill. I believe it's directed by a woman. I believe that to be true. The first and the second one, I think, are directed by women, if not the same woman. And so I'm interested to see how that like subverts the genre or like how it changes things, knowing that coming into it, like knowing that it's like there's probably a summer party where lots of girls will be wearing very little clothes and it's the 80s. So lots of booty shorts and you can see their butt cheeks hanging out. I don't know if you'll see lots of boobs, but it's going to be interesting knowing that like a woman directed to it, like that you'll see it with that lens. But I'm pretty sure back when I saw bits and pieces as a kid, like I'm sure I didn't know that it was directed by a woman or it didn't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. I probably thought all films were directed by men or Mm -hmm. I, I probably never even thought about it quite honestly. Sure. So I'm intrigued. I think I'm going to change my usual status and i'm gonna say that the girls are gonna kick some ass and that's what's gonna happen i think they're gonna kill the guy and then they're gonna turn the tables on him and i don't think it's gonna be like your next like cool booby traps and stuff like if you're next where she turns out to be like i'm a paramilitary <laughs> trained like yeah killing machine and you're like oh wow cool i grew up in a survivalist family oh wow yep. really yep as you do mm-hmm. as you do as it happens so yeah I think it's going to be pretty obvious what it's about. Yeah. I think he's probably escaped from an asylum. I feel like that's the typical go-to in the early 80s. That Those are the killers. Fresh out of an asylum. Mm-hmm. Looking for some, some titties and some, and some torture. TNT. As you do. As you do. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Excited. Cool. I think it's, you know, this is probably on Shutter or something. I'm pretty sure it's easily oh, accessible find out it. there. So you'll I'll find it. it. You'll you'll find it one way or another. That's right. One way or another. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it and we'll be back. All right. See you in a sec. Don't go anywhere. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Na 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 movies. We're back. 
<laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's our new one. Yeah. Sure. It just it just came out of me. These things just come out. I don't know what I'm such doing. treasure, such such bliss. Yeah. And now the world has to hear it instead of just, you know, like my mom growing up, who's like, you're so weird. But we're back, guys. We watched the movies. We're here we to talk about them. Sh- I mean, I watched the movies. I guess we'll find out if you did. I how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> of course I watched these movies. All right, well, let's start off with good old 2020s. His house. Whose house? His, His house. house. Is that, what is that? Is that a rap thing? That's a, something. Okay. It's a theme song or something. I don't know. All Isn't right. that Run DMC? Whose house? Run's house. Something like that, I think. Okay. I mean, okay, let's know. do it. <laughs> All right, there isn't a um, tagline for this on IMDb or Letterboxd, but the summary is, after making a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, a young refugee couple struggles to adjust to their new life in a small English town that has an unspeakable evil lurking beneath the surface. What did cool. you think, Jeremy? Uh, this was a good movie. Right off the bat, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> this was a good movie. So I can see why it was on a lot of people's, you know, lists. Off the bat, one thing I was thinking about, though, I do want to say, like, I kind of did a cursory. I didn't look at too much, but I did a cursory glance of, like, critic reviews because I saw, like, this has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so critics love this. What irks me, and then you start reading the reviews from some of the, like, main, mainstream, lamestream critics, um, <laughs> is... Every any time, like every so often, a horror movie comes out that like the whole like more than just your normal like horror movie, whoever press grabs a hold of you know like the, the entire mainstream press grabs it and they review it, and they all seem to have this like attitude of like oh wow did you guys know horror movies can be good movies and it's really like, so yeah yeah like it just irritates me that. Yes, it's a serious genre. I don't know why it seems so like revelatory every single time for, you know, your Rolling Stone critic. I'm sorry, I have no idea why I picked them, but like just mainstream, you know, critics in the I mean, wider because, world. I mean, my first example that comes to mind is like The Exorcist was nominated for Best Picture. Like, I mean, so, I mean, it's been a long time that there's, yeah. that they've been critically acclaimed. They've been more than just like splatter yeah. and, and jump scares. What I'm saying is it's not fair because you and I both know there's lots <laughs> of good movies that are just straight up good movies that are horror films. They get, you know, trashed on or whatever, clowned on by everybody. And it's like, come on, guys. It's a very uh, I think there's still the stereotype that it's just trashy entertainment if it's i horror. feel like in like the last decade though it has changing there's been a lot more of this i feel like it has a name and i feel like it might be intellectual horror sure i've seen that thrown around a little bit things like hereditary it comes mm-hmm. at night this um there's many that i feel have these like deeper themes that they're allegorical Things along those lines where they are trying to be more than just something like, forgive me for saying it, Slumber Party Massacre, which (laughs) we'll get to later. Mm -hmm. Like that there's a lot more to it and just using the sort of genre to tell these sorts of stories in a different way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I I can get what you're saying. I guess I haven't seen a lot of that or maybe I just say 
fuck you in my mind to those sorts of critics. And yeah, it just seems very it. like all of a sudden they're like, wow, I didn't realize a horror movie could be good. And it's like, God. So Interestingly enough, though, because I, I mean, the 100% on Rotten Tomatoes is pretty impressive. But then you go on IMDb and the Metascore, which is sort of the same sort of thing as the Rotten Tomato critic o meter. Mm-hmm. The variety review, they give like a, a 50%. So I wouldn't say that that's hmm. terribly no. fresh wow. that's, that's in regards shocking. to Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't know who hmm. comes up with it on each side. And I didn't look up the variety on. Um, Rotten Tomatoes to see if they gave it a tomato, like a, a fresh, but or a rot. Yeah, and surprisingly mm. enough, on IMDb, on that meta score, like I think the highest one was like a seventy-five or an eighty percent because they like give them sort of ratings like that as opposed to just a tomato or like a, a red tomato or like a green yeah. flatter tomato. Yeah. So no one was like, "Oh my god, this movie is like the best horror movie of the year," necessarily. Mm. But. True. I did. I said it was. You said it was, but it was a good movie. So yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit more. Uh, so I got some more maybe hot takes coming at you. I also, well, I didn't realize this was a British movie, so that was kind of like, oh, cool, BBC, and they do, you know, generally again stereotyping. They got some classy work that they tend to do. And watching this, I also felt, and I get this. Here's my hot take. I feel this way when I see a lot of European movies, which is I like that they use actors that feel more like real people to me. Like they don't look like Hollywood, like fake plastic people. That's as simply as I can put it. I feel like with a lot of European pictures, they must not have, they don't have the same Hollywood machine that we do, you know, the same celebrity culture and machine. So there tends to be a more, uh, they don't look like they've spent a million years with a trainer that was hired to make them look perfect and whatever injections they've had in their face to get rid of all their blemish, you know? So I appreciate that. It gives me a better entry point uh, to look at and be like, these look like the people I see every day around me. Uh, Not that we're ugly or they're ugly or anything like that. It's just, you know, it feels more authentic, I guess is what I'm getting at. And the lead gal is on Lovecraft Country, which I've yet to binge. I keep forgetting. Yeah, she's in Lovecraft Country. She was my standout. She's good. She's so good. I just love her. I love her. Her strength and her power is just amazing. And the two of them, too. Like, I was just immediately hooked into the story and connected. I don't know if it was just the whole, like, they're a young couple. Like, you know, well, we don't know their ages, but, you know, relatively seems like young couple trying to make it probably like about the same age me and my wife are (laughs) that are like so i felt this immediate like hook of the story Mm -hmm. where i'm like i can relate to this you know you're just trying to start establish your life and your life together and that was very relatable i don't normally do this but i would prefer not to get into spoilers on this one i feel like we can talk about it without talking about everything just because i feel sure it is a much better movie without knowing certain things but i also gotta say that it was this rare thing at least on this podcast to re-watch a movie and like it just as much the second time Mm -hmm. i think that's happened to me like once or twice in our almost 20 episodes yeah that's it. it and it definitely was here it was actually really cool to watch a second time knowing everything that you do after watching it the first time. There was, I saw a lot online too. And I think it's just because again, you know, we have a movie with a black director Mm -hmm. um, with black main characters uh, having, 
here's a, a little bit of spoiler I give you. They have fled from South Sudan. Uh, clearly, I'm sh- I'm not brushed up on my current events right now, but I'm sure there's a civil war or some turmoil happening there, I think, right now as we speak. So they are refugees that have ended up in London. But, you know, the movie seems to be, you know, it's speaking to their experience coming into this. Now they're surrounded by these white faces that are dictating their existence, and it's not exactly friendly or welcoming and it's not even just the white faces i mean that time she like gets sort of lost in this maze of their neighborhood which feels almost like like is this like supernatural or is it just like this is how confusing life is in a new country but Mm -hmm. then she runs into this group of boys that are her same skin color and they also just treat her like total trash oh sure it's like really this sort of hey you're not from here here's how you're going to be treated. And I, I really love when he goes to the department store and they don't really get heavy into it, but there's like these two. The security guard is watching security him. guards like watching yeah. him, but it doesn't turn into like a, a security guard saying like, oh, excuse me, do you have money to be in here or anything like that? But it just, he's lurking in the corner. And then there's like. That tension is there. Of like white, this white family that he's like trying to like be like, oh, Look I like, need to be like them. Yes. And it's just like. I love the subtleties in dealing with the issues without it like really hitting you over the head. It's like, we know that you know what life is like enough that we're not going to have to have the security guard come over here and be like, oh, pardon me, sir. You know, like we see it, we feel it, and that's all we need to do. And I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. What I saw online was people wanting to compare. And again, I think, again, it's because Black Director Black experience is part of the story, wanting to compare this to like Jordan Peele. Uh, and get out. I saw that pop up a few times. I saw that too. Sure, yeah. that's there. But in my mind, that's kind of apples and oranges where I feel, you know, something like get out. The point of the story is it's a racist, you know, parable. It's a story about racism where this movie, uh, this feels more like an onion with many layers. One of the layers is the racial component, but there's mm-hmm. other things going on that I don't feel that that's necessarily a super intellectually you know fair uh comparison to make um this movie i like again no spoilers but in the second half things change but through the first half i really felt like it reminded me of like an edgar Allan poe story Mm. or maybe gothic something from gothic literature where you have this haunting story going on where for a lot of it we don't know what's going on. We don't even understand it. And it reminded me very much of the the mindset of, again, like Poe in his stories where people are losing their minds. Uh, and it just, it, it's a ghost story, but it's also a story of madness sort of thing where you're like, and which is it? It's both. Maybe it's neither. We don't, you know, you're just so confused as uh, the viewer or the reader. And without having that sort of classic knowledge, because I'm not really up on my Poe, I would liken it to the Babadook more than I would to Jordan Peele. Like, just oh, sort sure. of like this, again, I've already mentioned this word, but like, it's sort of allegorical for mm-hmm. grief and and things like that, that it's sort of taking these emotions and sort of physicalizing them in a horror movie sort yeah. of formula. And the Babadook is definitely another movie that has like gothic literature, I would say, as definitely a antecedent to that, you know, a predecessor to that. Another so. one of my all-time favorites. I could watch the Babadook over and over. I just think it's so brilliant. I need to watch it again. I only saw it 
once uh, when it came God. out, maybe twice. I feel like I gave it a couple of times, but I need to watch it again. It's been years. There's like a handful of movies that, especially in like my using days when I would get together with people, get high and watch horror movies like anytime I could. Like, I'd be like, oh, you like horror movies? Come over in the middle of the night. Like, let's get stoned and watch scary movies. Let's watch Babadook. I would do The Babadook, It Follows, and The Final Girls, like all the time. Like, I would ask people if they'd seen those three movies. And if they hadn't, I would put them on and we'd watch it's a pretty that's a pretty good marathon too <laughs> but yeah and i so i really i think that the cast is so good in this and there's one particular villain in it that again just for spoiler's sake i'm not going to get into what that character is but i don't know if you recognized him when i looked up his imdb credits because um i listened to some interviews and they were talking about like oh my god this guy's so great his name is javier botet i believe is how you pronounce oh, it oh yeah 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 i know who that is so he's like the hobo and it yes and in the conjuring too he's the crooked man he's mama and mama he's yeah he plays like three people in crimson peak he's and a very he, incredible like, you know suit. Like yeah. suit actor, yeah. Like Andy Circus, like just yeah. sort of in that same vein. Like he does a lot of things that you're looking like, oh, I don't know him, but I know him. Mm-hmm. From these or or uh, the great Doug Jones, uh, also in a lot of Guillermo del Toro's work, doing the mm-hmm. suit creature acting. So yeah, and Fantastic. so that was kind of fun. I didn't like know anything about him until I like heard them mention how great he was and started looking, and I was like, oh wow, he does a lot. Yeah, and uh, also I was pleasantly surprised by Matt Smith, you know, Doctor Who himself, oh, one of the Doctor Who's himself, uh, when he showed up. I was like, oh, Matt Smith, awesome. And again, it's nice because I feel like he's a layered character. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not like this super asshole, racist sort of guy. Like he has some layers to him. Like he he's wants them to do well. Like he... He's layered. There's more to him than just a simple sort of character of what he could be, which I appreciate. Sure. Yeah, I, I did too, because they they really like, I mean, he pretty much says it where he's like, this is just my job. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I well, I can feel that, man. Some days you really feel that where you're like, didn't think I'd end up here and I'm just trying to do my job. So like, let's help each other out here. But all those scenes with them and the mm, caseworkers, I think. Caseworkers, thank you. Like that that initial scene with them where they're sort of saying, here's what's going to happen with your life. And then the the following scene that happens later, the numerous scenes, they're all just so uncomfortable. But they feel very real as well. Like it just all feels very authentic, which I always mm-hmm. can appreciate as opposed to, you know, these movies where they're like, and I don't know if it's because it's made for Netflix and it wasn't out in like like a mainstream mainstream sort of film like that, you know, was able to it's a BBC film. Like, is it, mm-hmm. you know, are they able to uh, they don't have to adhere to those sorts of restraints as much of to a producer saying, you know what, we really need to make sure that people really understand what you're talking about here. Yeah, this guy's a racist asshole. You got to put yeah. that in there. Yeah, we so. got to like really, really let them know. Yeah. And, you know, I find it very scary. Like, even the second time, sort of knowing everything that happens, Mm -hmm. I still found there's, like, probably, like, three or four sequences that are, like, the scary sequences. And Mm -hmm. I still was very creeped out by them. Very unnerving. Yeah. Uh, I think by the end, it kind of switches gears. Uh, Again, trying not to reveal too much for people, because I really do feel this is a movie that's very... Just knowing nothing about it, you're going to 
I think enjoy it more going into it. But once it switches gears towards the end, I don't think it was as necessarily unnerving, but it was still emotionally powerful. Yeah. Which was, you know, wow, really, really great stuff by the end of the movie. Yeah. The first time I watched it, as soon as like the screen went to black, I started crying. Like it just, it hit me in that way. And this time that wasn't quite as powerful, but it still moved. Like I still felt moved by the end Mm -hmm. i know earlier you were like i don't really know like much about the situation like going on there which was one of the reasons i initially didn't watch this like i knew there were sort of these political angles of like what's going on in the the world Mm -hmm. and i'm not someone who watches the news i'm not real up on things that are happening as much as i should probably be like i i sort of allow myself to care like to be aware of things that i really care about which is mostly like i'm gonna do pop culture and things like that so i think that was the initial reason i didn't go near this movie but you don't have to know like they give Mm -hmm. you enough that you're like okay i can i'm totally aware that where they were is not a climate where life is good things are rough and you know people want to get the fuck out of there Mm -hmm. and will go to any length necessary to do so and by escaping it they think that you know oh we're in a place where things can be better now but that isn't necessarily true especially you know this is something i think we've talked about a lot when it comes to things like addiction and, and that sort of thing but you can't run from your past you have to face it in order to heal and move on which i think is sort of the the main theme of the movie and they talk about that a lot in aa like there i think there's whole chapters to in the big book to Mm -hmm. people who think they can leave town and things will get better they'll move to a new city and life will get better and it doesn't it's like a, a myth in your mind that you can Pick up and move and your life will change. It won't. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to like let yourself heal by facing things head on. And I think that that's at its core what this movie is all about. And absolutely. So it just hits me so hard in that way. Yeah, you can't move. You can't get new friends. You can't superficially change your your situation because that's never going to fix the root cause, which is, you know, you. And in your life. Another horror analogy. The call is coming from inside the house, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, it is you. It is not the things around you That's that it. have to change. It's internal. Yep. So, I love it. There's trauma. There's heart. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Oh, and one other thing. I looked up. I think they said that they, they give them 74 pounds a week is what they give them as spending money. I looked it up and it's like roughly like $104 in US money. In case anyone won- watching is wondering, mm-hmm. they, they roughly get about $400 a month and ton like all the rules they give them, like no candles, you can't get a job, like just these restraints on their life is Yep. So it's like ridiculous. totally set up to fail. Yep. Like it's, I know there's so many situations like that over here uh, in the United States too politically where it's like, you know, uh, government ostensibly is supposed to help people, but it sets so many people up to fail. Yeah, it's uh, like we're really doing you a favor. This yeah. house is bigger than my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the shitty stuff like that. I was like, oh, God, that guy, screw that guy. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
I was fully prepared to fight if I needed to. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was good. This this one this one did this hooked me. You know, another movie I found myself in my brain thinking about actually was the original Amityville Horror. Uh, oh, this, for sure. The you know stuck in a house, uh, weird, sinister things going on. You know the fa- the family dynamic, some trauma. You know, definitely like a new age. Amityville horror some stuff behind the walls yeah it had the feel of like an urban legend come to life this for movie. sure so yeah absolutely like it takes uh the the tropes the the haunted house trope and sort of it doesn't totally turn it on its head but it gives it uh, a little bit of a breath of fresh air I yeah, feel. a little bit of a facelift gives it some yeah. new exciting t- twists and angles that i enjoyed Definitely picked this film because it's Black Horror Month. I'm not Black Horror Month. I picked this film because <laughs> it could be Black Horror Month for it, us. It could be. I mean, it is. It, it should be. You should definitely check out some, you know, some horror films featuring black directors and black stories that you haven't seen before. It's a good time to do it. Anytime is a good time to do it. But since it's February, and I know last week you had picked a film with a black director, so I wanted to sort of carry that over into this week. And then, as I mentioned, next week I have something for a themed situation with the month as well. So Mm, Very cool. We'll figure that out. Awesome. All right, so out of how many creepy dolls do you give this I, i'm not any more creative right now i'm gonna give it a four a four nice i was Check it hoping out. that you would give it a four i give it four and a half which is what i gave it the first time it's like it's i don't it's really hard for me to give something a perfect score so it's just like mm-hmm. right up uh, it's right up there i think four four and, four and a half. half that's good that's hell like, yeah it is. to me that's like top notch that's like a must watch high yeah. recommendation in my yeah. brain yeah, but I, I'm also glad like that I could still be like, yeah, for sure, this is my number one film of last year. I can hold hold on to that nice and tight. So very good. All right, well, let's um, pack our bags and go for a slumber party massacre. Slumber party massacre. Okay, so the tagline here on Letterboxd is: "Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever." <laughs> Uh, and, and the description is an 18 year old high school girl left at home by her parents decides to have a slumber party. Meanwhile, a mass murderer with a propensity for power tools has escaped from prison and eventually makes his way to the party where the guests begin dropping off one by one. That's like too much description because literally the title of this movie slumber party massacre is the plot. <laughs> <laughs> all you need to know it really is it is such a silly movie it's super fun i mean there's not a whole lot to it it's (laughs) no (laughs) i have to say though if i didn't know it was directed by a woman i would have had no idea i would have never imagined in a million years you would 100 percent think it was directed by a dude because the things going into it and being like, oh, it's directed by a woman. I bet they're not going to show as many boobs, things like that. It is <laughs> not true. There's just, they just said that one at the summer party, they just started all just taking off their clothes. I'm like, what is happening here? Yeah, yep. <laughs> it was so written silly. by a woman too. And, and not the same woman, right? No, different woman. The, the okay. woman that wrote it is like a feminist author that wrote the script. So I don't get it. Am I missing something? What you're missing is the key component. Roger Corman produced this. You know, I've probably mentioned him before. 
legendary B-movie director, producer. Dude has made literally hundreds of movies in his career, all on the cheap. He's known to get things done uh, on time and under budget was always his. In fact, he would tell distributors, I can make you two movies in the time it takes other guys to make one. And he would do it. He'd give them two movies sometimes. That's a good skill. Yeah, but Roger Corman doing movies. Apparently the script was a script he bought and then it just sat on a shelf because he didn't know what to do with it because you had this like, apparently the original script was very satirical, very self-aware and making fun of slasher movies because it was written by this feminist uh, author. Uh, He didn't know what to do with it. Amy Jones, I think was her name, who directed this. She, uh, She was working as an editor and working with Corman on a couple of projects he produced and she really wanted to direct and she found this and was like, I'll do this. But Roger was like, it's got to be less funny, more of a straight horror movie and anything with him. It's got to have boobs and blood in it because that's that's what he was selling at the time. So that's where that comes in. It was the production oversight, I bet. I wish it could have been a little bloodier. Like, I mean, there were enough boobs. I was fine with the amount of boobs that were in there because there was quite a few. Um, It was a real tit flapper, if you will. Uh, (laughs) But I I could have dealt with more blood. I would have been fine. Like, there was lots of, like, holes and heads and things, but there wasn't a lot of splatter, necessarily. Mm -mm. Nope. I know I mention this a lot with movies like this. This would have been fun to get high and watch. Like, this is definitely sort of that have a group of people together, watch this, make fun of it, laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Definitely a group setting sort of movie. Like by yourself, like, I mean, I took so many notes where I'm like, wait, what? Like snail hunting? Are you fucking kidding me? And like, just that creepy neighbor, like I'm still convinced he's the one who took the doll in the beginning in the garbage can. Uh-huh. Like, I don't even think that the escape convict was around them yet. Like, I, I'm like, he had to have taken that doll. He was a total creeper. And like when he snuck up on that girl, that whole snail bit when he has that like meat cleaver and he's like, hope I didn't scare you. And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm like, are you kidding me? He walked up by you in the middle of the do- night and he has this meat cleaver that he like, of course, he's scared. Like, he's a total creep. I like also when the young the young girl that's being babysat. When she's got the knife and jumps the one chick, and you're like, she's gonna fucking kill her. Oh my god! And then god. she's just like, I was just kidding. And you're like, Courtney, holy cow! That little girl I was, was like, something that, else. That girl is a maniac too. Watch her. Uh, yeah, and when her sister's doing her hair, and she's like, "Don't mess up my hair," and I was like, "Girl, <laughs> have you looked in the mirror? Because it is already messed up. Anything she could do would be a benefit to you." Yeah, so just go shut go the back. fuck up. Go back to looking at your nudie mags. Like the funniest and the best moment was when they still eat the pizza. Oh God. Yeah. Like I wish there was more <laughs> of that. Like that moment. It's not like, I mean, with how bad the movie is, like it doesn't feel a hundred percent out of left field, but I wish there was more of that sort of thing happening throughout. Mm-hmm. Like I wish there was more of that. Cause that's like my favorite. So I watched the, uh, cause I have this one on disc. I watched the, they had like a retrospective, you know okay documentary thing with it you know they talked to the director and a bunch of the actors and this was from like a few years ago so it's a little more contemporary but the director like a million times throughout the thing she keeps saying like how funny this movie is like this is a comedy like people are supposed to get that and i'm like uh lady comedies are supposed to be funny like (laughs) i think you didn't get that note uh like this is a movie that has some gags in it 
But yeah. it's definitely not funny enough to be considered like a horror comedy. This is just a slasher movie. Like you're really trying to will it into being funnier than it actually is. So I was kind of like, I wonder if this is one of those, like she saw audiences interacting with it because it's pretty much a dumb slasher movie. And was like, yeah, I meant it to be hilarious. Like, yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent believe that's probably what it was. Cause I, there definitely isn't enough in it for no. it to be like, oh, this is a really a comedy. Like they're it's they're in on the the joke that isn't there. Really no, there's like the pizza scene and the scene where she gets the circular saw <laughs> and runs to the door and the extension cord isn't long enough. Yes, and it's like yes, reminded me of Murder Party. Yeah, like that's funny and that's yeah. it. There's only like a couple of like really. There's a lot of bad like one liners to each other between the characters that are not like good comedy. They're just cheap lines that aren't that funny but yeah i mean it is super super duper silly the, the whole thing that that trish girl she when she like at the end when she thinks valerie's like in on it like i'm like where on earth do you come up with that like yeah what a can, weird like all of a sudden you're like oh she's here she must be in on it and it's like you've always like been on her side you were like let's invite valerie let's like have like that whole sideline with the new girl. I mean, and yes, she shows up and sort of saves the day, but she doesn't show up and she's not like badass. Like she like is trying to get in. Like no one seems to be home. She goes back and like her sister's there, but there's like blood on the door and she's like, well, no one's home. I guess let's go home. I'm like, you just saw a bloody handprint and you know, there's supposed to be a, like, are you this fucking is a, kidding me? This is a movie of people where I'm like, everybody needs glasses. Nobody. <laughs> there's like constantly blood and just problems everywhere that people are like, huh? Well, better go home. Didn't and see that. Do you remember what picture is on the back of the VHS box? No. It's the one with, with the little sister, like opening the refrigerator door and like the body. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause like I even having not ever watched this, like I, that I knew and I kept waiting for it to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen, mm -hmm. but that is like, em, like just emblazoned on my brain that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, because of the VHS box. And I mean, the cover of the VHS is so great. Like, I, are yeah. those even the girls? Are they random, like, models in that poster? I couldn't really tell. So I'm still just sort of, like, baffled by the fact that it's directed by a woman just because oh, I Oh, no, don't... it is. It is them. It is, it is them. them. Okay, good. Yep. I know that sometimes in things like this, they might just use, like, random people mm -hmm. because it's so low budget. They're like, oh, yeah. this poster idea would be good, but we don't have them under contract anymore. Let's use, yep. you know, our... <laughs> My nephews or my nieces, yeah. my nieces, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm just like, it is, it just baffles me. And I, I would like to watch some documentaries on it because I'd be curious of the things they say. I'm sure they have these sorts of like, oh, well, here's what I was trying to do with it and stuff. I just don't know that I would buy it. Because mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel any different than like some straight white dude directing it. Like it doesn't, I don't yeah. feel a whole lot of difference in like no. the dialogue or how things go down like yes they win in the end the girls but like they're not badass either they're they really don't do a very good job they really just kind of fail their way to victory <laughs> in this movie and like whereas he would like graze someone with his saw with like his his drill and they would like fall over dead he gets his hand cut off he gets all these things and he's still going and i'm like 
oh my god like yet you grazed someone and like they they died the other funny thing regarding the pizza guys like you open the door you see a pizza man with his eyes drilled out you're not gonna grab him and pull him in you're gonna push him away and be like what the fuck is going on but they like pull him in get him in here his eyes are drilled out oh my god there's just so many things where you're like what the fuck is happening but it's fun in that regard yeah no one thing i like too about this movie is the killer himself uh like i feel like he's a it's kind of a cool idea especially in the context of like the 80s when this came out trying to cash in on like you know Halloween, Friday the 13th, like all these slasher movies where the idea was constantly like, you have to have a masked, iconic killer. Like, how do we make one that makes us famous? And he is just a dude in this movie, which does for sure gives it an edge of like, yeah, it just feels like they're ripping off like, you know, 60 minutes, you know, of just like a serial killer on the loose, like just a news story of like something much more realistic. I also was sitting there thinking too, the killer in this movie has my same fashion sense. He's just wearing like (laughs) jeans and a t-shirt with a denim jacket. And I'm like, just dressing like a hipster. Like I dress like so Uh, ridiculous. Very true. And the power drill is a cool weapon. It is. It is. Like, I don't quite understand how he latches on to these girls and like how he gets to where he does. Mm -hmm. But. I mean, you know, looking for logic here is like the the most ridiculous thing to try to do. Oh, sure. Uh, The actor, too, that played the killer, I thought in the little video, the uh, documentary thing I watched, too, uh, he talks about developing his character in there for it. And he said he had read um, he read the book Helter Skelter about, you know, the Manson murders Mm -hmm. uh, and the Manson family. uh, And that was kind of his like way to go deeper where he was like, you know, you can't just play the. Uh, he, he he was trying to find an internal motivation. So of course, reading this true crime book, he's like, yeah, that's why at the end, I'm like, I love you. That's why I'm killing you. Like I was trying to develop an internal logic for this character as to why he does what he does and not just I'm crazy and running around being crazy. So yeah, I, I think like, I wrote it down verbatim. You're also pretty. I love you. It takes a lot of love for a person to do this. You know, you want it. You love it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's pretty stereotypical, like serial killer stuff the twisted you know internal world and logic but it's like uh i appreciate the actor going deeper there (laughs) and actually uh taking the time to come up with something if this movie were made today i feel like there would be the twist that he and the neighbor are like brothers Mm -hmm. and that the neighbor's like in on it but you don't know he is you really do think he's not a creeper and that he's like going to be there to help them but in the end he's the reason why this guy's ended up at this location and they're like, let's fucking kill these girls. I'm so glad we got you out of prison or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. See, I like that way this movie, I know you felt like he seems like a creeper, but I like when movies are like, not every man is trying to kill you in this movie. Like, I feel like I am not convinced that, I mean, he wasn't trying to kill him, but I, he took that Barbie he was like totally like, oh, it's okay that you smoke pot. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell anybody. <laughs> like I'm like, you're such a creep. But I do feel like a lot of movies, especially from this era too, like you can't trust anybody. Uh, usually, he was hanging was... out in their house. I, I'm sorry, he's not. He not was a just creep. a good neighbor. He was just no. checking on him. <laughs> The parents are like, go check on the house. And he saw like, oh, the door's open or something. That's he was just checking it out. Mm-mm. 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not Get out of my house. <laughs> have you seen any of the other movies? There's I have, three, right? Yeah. Okay. Apparently, I, I like looked into this and I was like, oh, crap. This is like a whole franchise. Because then there's like other things like Sorority House Massacre yes. or something, right? There's, there's three Slumber Party Massacre movies. There is the Sorority House Massacre series, which are loosely connected to the Slumber Party Massacre movies. Uh, and then there's a couple of movies that are called Cheerleader Massacre that are in turn also uh, have some connections to the uh, tangential connections to the other one. So it's a whole thing, all produced by Roger Corman, of course. I've seen parts of two. I don't think I've ever caught it all the way through. It's one of those things where I've like turned it on and seen bits of it. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre 2 is fucking insane. It's Isn't like he the... like in their dreams? Okay. Like a Freddy Krueger sort of thing? Yes. So 2, apparently, it's like the youngest girl, the one that was being babysat. It's supposed Ugh, to be her character. so bad. It's supposed to be her character grown up now, having survived okay. the massacre. But she keeps having dreams. Uh, apparently, it's the killer now reincarnated as a rockabilly guitar playing dream demon and there's like a drill in the guitar yeah it's like a reality bending genre but it's a horror slasher musical it's it's fucking nuts (laughs) have you seen trick or treat that's what it reminds me of not like the anthology but like that 80s like devil comes out through the music trick or treat i no i've never seen the movie i have listened to the soundtrack though i'm shocked that's as a metal guy you would love as a metal guy, uh, Fastlane, I believe they were. No, Fastway, sorry. Old thrash metal band, power metal band. Like, they did the soundtrack, and I've heard the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, it seems like I need to check that one out. It's been on my list forever. I know it's like the ultimate, like, music summons the devil, literally, movie. And yeah, like, for I sure. Love, I love those. But, oh, Slumber Party Massacre 2, a point of interest for Detroit people. Hmm. is in that movie, the killer is played by Atanas Illich. And that is of the Illich dynasty oh, that owns yeah. the Detroit Red Wings and founded Little Caesars. Yeah. Uh, yep. He's he like is one of the guys running the company now. But like back in the day, he tried to be an actor and his dad wow. tried to get him uh, like a pop star career uh, that he did this like one movie, Slumber Party Massacre 2. Let's get him up. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mr. CEO of uh, <laughs> Little Caesars, uh, or on the board of directors of Little Caesars. We want to talk about that one bad movie you made. Oh, that's beautiful. But yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I think I'd watch two and maybe three because I think that they're also directed by women, but like different women. Am yes, I right? different. Yeah, you are correct. Different. Okay. Women. Yeah, two is just nuts. It's like one of those crazy midnight movie. Uh, like a perfect example of a midnight movie. Uh, I've never seen three, but I understand three is really just a remake of the first one. It's literally like the same plot, just new actors and whatnot. So just real quick, I pretty much got the whole plot right because there's not much to it here. Yeah, you you nailed it. It's all in the title. Escaped convict, all that. Girls are going to kick some butt. That's it. When it came to his house... You had some of it right. You didn't have that they came to, you thought that they came to the US, but you knew that yeah. there was going to be the whole, that they Immigrant. were other, that they were like yeah. refugees, immigrants, but you thought it was going to be about a cult. And let's just say you're not right there. I'm but. way off there. Yeah. <laughs> sure thing. But yeah, there's not much to this one, but it is fun. For as short as it is, it, 
it feels long, long for a 76 minute 77 minute movie yeah. if you're being generous uh it does feel long like holy it's crap so weird the, how that can happen the pacing is all over the place is the problem yeah yeah it definitely is like because okay. it's a movie too that like it gives you the setup then there's the killer shows up and starts killing you're like whoa here we go but no then there's just a lot of like the girls doing stupid shit for a while and you're like Oh wow, I thought we were like well underway. Now we have to wait again for more killing to get going. Like yeah, that's that's why I think the pacing is just all not doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah, out of out of five obnoxiously large power drills, uh <laughs> how many do you give this? I give it three. Like I would watch it again for sure. Hell yeah, like I, I give it a three as well. Okay, yeah, because it's just good old fun. Yeah, I used to rate this higher, but like uh, I don't know why rewatching it this time. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, why would I think <laughs> it's not great? This is like a movie that's so bad. It's good. Really? Definitely falls into that camp. But yeah, this is definitely a uh, check it out. You know, get the popcorn and the pops and hang out with your friends. Sort Some of thing. beers, if that's your thing. If Some that's joints, your thing like, on you know. Saturday night and goof off. Yeah, watch it with some friends or your like, family. That's that's it. Is absolutely if you got that kind of family, get the kids. Yeah, have a, a good time. Sure. <laughs> if you don't mind watching boobs and blood. Yeah, if they're old enough, I think or it's tits time. and tortures. I, I think, think it's I time said. to initiate them. <laughs> but I'm glad I can say I watched it now for sure because I know I'd seen bits and pieces and it's always talked about. So. It has a strong cult following for sure. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good time. So thank mm -hmm. you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> and, um, you know, hit us up. Share your feelings on these flicks. Tell us what you want us to do. Um, you know, we're glad you listen. So thank you. Yes. We really appreciate you out there in the dark. Yeah. Watching. Creeping yep. like that neighbor in Slumber Party. Massacre. That's right. That's right. So are you, are you out there snail hunting? Mr. Con Contant or something? It was Conti or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Cumpty, like the cheese. I don't know what his name was. <laughs> Cumpties. I, I don't know. If you're is. out, if you're out there snail hunting. Yep. Hit us dark. up. Scaring us is sharing up. at gmail.com or on the Insta. Scaring is sharing. Tell us what you think of the Slumber Party Massacre series. Yeah, you love his house as much as we did, you know, just get get at me. That's right. Yeah. We'll be back next week. Yep. Same bat time, same bat channel. Yep. Na 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 na. Movies. <laughs> Until then, bye. Uh and keep watching some of the fucking horror movies. Yes, and tell us about them because scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. 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 This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.